And for the Ilunishmat, Eliezer, Kuan Ben Angela, and Natan Ben Zoya. And also for Refoshlima, Nisan Ben Raya, and for Refoshlima, Chaim Hillel Ben Rivka. And also for Skut of Amisrat, the Tribashlima, the Kov. So, after welcoming the Malachim, the angels, we sing Shalom Aleichem, we sing another. Another song is called Eshet Chayel. This comes from Mishle, Proverbs, chapter 31. And it starts, starts, Eshet Chayel Mimsa, a woman of valor, who can find? Her value is far greater than, than pearls. Now, having a good wife is mamash everything. That you look at someone that has such a good wife, Chachamim say, "Good life, good, 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 good life." Everybody says, "You have a good wife, automatically you have the best life. You have a bad wife, bad wife, automatically very difficult." So it says, "Hashem blessed Abraham Bakol with everything. Why? Because he had Sarah." However, Hashem knows that after a while, someone gets used to his wife and takes, you know, starts taking advantage of how much good she does and how much benefit she is to his, to his life. So, Hashem sent Malachim to Avraham to remind Avraham of the traits of Sarah, of who Sarah is and what she does, who, who is she. They asked him, Last week's parasha, they asked him, "Where is your, where is Sarah, your wife?" So he says, "She's in the tent." And Abraham, whenever he answers something, whenever someone asks something, he thinks about it. So it's not like us, which we ask, we tell, we think, we, we don't think twice about answer, uh, answer, uh, answering or, uh, or asking. Abraham understood from this. He says, "Yeah, she's in the tent," and he understood. He remembered. Oh, why? Because she's modest. My wife is a modest woman, so that the angels did this specific to, to remind her, to remind him of of her of her modesty. Same way that Hashem on Friday on on Friday night on Shabbat on Lel Shabbat we sing Eshet Chayil. It's supposed to remind the husband of how much the wife does for him, how much of a benefit he she is in his life. Now, this song, this chapter of Mishle, it can refer to many different things. It can refer to the Shekhinah, to Shabbat, to the Torah, and also to the soul. This year we're going to focus specifically on the soul. Now, you can see that how appropriate it is that, on, that we sing this to welcome Shabbat, that what are you doing? You're basically the whole song. You're describing the mission that you have in this world, what you have to do, and what type of enjoyment and the joy that waits for us in Olam Abba in the world to come if we fulfill the mission. Now it continues. 
and says the heart of her husband trusts in her and no loot will be lacking. Now, what's the husband of the soul? The husband of the soul is Hashem. Hashem sent the soul down her, sent her down to the world on a mission. The Chachamim compared the world to darkness. Now, in darkness, you don't see things clearly. You don't see things how they are truly. You know, it's, it's a bit foggy. You don't, it's dark. You don't see anything clearly. So, what happens? We see, we, we look in the dark and we think, Oh, look, that, that thing looks a little bit scary. Maybe it's something that I should be scared of. Little do we know, it's just a tree. Or if we see something, oh look, it looks it's a tree, and then we see it's a very dangerous animal. So same thing that in this world we're we're scared, we're terrified of things that are harmless, but we're just careless about things that are dangerous, harmful for us. So every every word, every deed that someone does, and every thought affects. The world over the the worlds down the world over here and also in the spiritual worlds. But the darkness of the world it deceives us. It makes us think like we're doing everything good, but in the end we're we're destroying a lot of things. It makes us think like we're it's not it's nothing. We're not doing anything wrong. But if we saw what it truly did, we saw the truth. We will behave much, much more carefully. We will think before we do anything. Before saying a single word, we will think, should I say this word? Maybe I should fast the day before, you know. To fast the whole, the whole entire day before we do it. Before we say a word. Before we take any official step in the world. We think a month before. Any type of, anything that we do. Any new outfit that a person, that a woman would want to buy. It's immodest, not modest. She's not gonna just gonna say, you know what? It's okay. Let me. She's gonna right away. She's gonna make a whole entire bedin about it. She's gonna bring the whole entire sanhedrin, the whole rabbinical court of 70, 70 elders. That does what? What do we need seventy elders for? What do we need the sanhedrin for? To judge death cases, capital cases, death penalty cases. So she's gonna be thinking so much that she's gonna say. Can I? Cannot? She's gonna bring this the the sunny link to decide if she can or can't. She bemet knew what it was. So, however, Hashem, He put the world, put this world in darkness. He put it that there's tests, there's temptations of the world. But the job of the soul is to sanctify the body, to make the body holy. Not to the body to make the the soul impure or materialistic. We have to be able to sanctify the the emotions and all the senses that we have and the limbs that we have. Everything has to be holy. And how is this done? This is done by in the in the service of Hashem by doing it with joy, by learning Torah, doing mitzvot. Masim Tovim, and working on ourselves, working on our character traits to become better people. Now, every time we try to do, every time we do a mitzvah, every time we do one of these things, every time we do this, we do something good, do something in a positive light. Because 
infinite infinite reward it, for eternity in Olam Abba. now why is it called loot we saw the, the word loot over there why because specifically it's loot it means the, 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 the reward from the war the spoils from the war you could call it why because it you get it only after battling with the evil inclination the Yitzhah and winning whenever you go to war you buy, you fight the you fight the battle when do you get the the reward when do you get the the loot the the treasure whenever you win after you win then you get it that's why it's called loot so Hashem put us into this world to do the mission and he, he trusts us that we can do it so we our job is to have to, to put some justification in that in that confidence that he has in us now another pasuk that says in Eshet Mishle it continues and it says she seeks wool and linen she is like a merchant she is like the merchant ship she brings her bread from afar now to, to, to do the, our mission correctly we need to have education we need to have a Torah education and but sometimes it's very far away you know sometimes it's not just like a few minutes away sometimes it's very far away but but sometimes people say no it's too far away it's I can't I can't do it I can't go so far but we know that whenever you need a doctor let's say someone Shalom he has some type of problem with his body and he needs to go find the best doctor what is he going to do? he's going to go across the whole world just to find his best doctor so what does it make a difference if the Torah education to get the best one is in a very is a, is a, is a distance away it's not right it's not right in front of you we have to we have to be able to look for it go as far as possible and there was a story that Ravi again brings he says that there was a family from Yugoslavia a while ago, a few decades ago, that they were trying to look for where to send their children to learn, which school. Now their relatives, they said, you know what? There's a school right here. What's the big deal? We'll send the school. We'll send the kids to the school. It was in walking distance. It was close. It was nice. They said, we'll send. We'll send them over here. But the school that they sent them to was Bemet only religious in their name it wasn't really religious it was it only has a very nice name you have a very you look at you sometimes you read the name of a yeshiva you're like wow what a name but you go inside you hear the kids you hear everything you're like is this even a yeshiva or is this a public school what did I walk into so this place only had the name that was religious but everything else no different from a public school. But this family, they saw how the, they saw the students in that school. They saw how they talked. They saw how they acted. They didn't like the way it looked. They didn't like the way it sounded. They were like, "This is not. Uh, this is not for my family." What did they look for? The family looked for wool and linen. They wanted the real thing. They didn't want something mizuyaf, something fake, synthetic, something fake. So Baruch Hashem, they found a nice school. 
genuine real Torah school. But the problem is there was a, it was very it was far away. It was a few miles away. And there was no buses, there was no nothing, there was no transportation that they could go back and forth like we have nowadays, buses here and there. It was miles away. They said this is a good school, we're doing it. They sent their school the kids to school over there. And every day, every day the mother would go walk with them to school every day, back and forth. Miles, a few miles. Every single day, from the winter, summer, whatever it was. This is this is what we need, this is what we want. We want legit Torah knowledge. We we don't want half half cooked. Which is what it also brings from the Pasuk. She brought her bread from afar. She went from afar and she brought her bread. She went because she understood what it was to give a real Torah education. Now, the relatives are laughing at them. Well, we have to send so far. We have a school here. Look. It's, you know, it says yeshiva on it. It says whatever it wants. It's a good school. They said, no, no, no. We're, we want, we see how it is. It's not a good school. And we could see, we saw that many, a long time later, the results spoke for themselves. The relatives, the children of the, uh, the relatives, they went off the day, they went, became non religious. But this family, the kids became Rabbanim uh, and Rabbaniot. They actually got a real Torah education, so they actually stuck to it. Another thing from the for this that whenever it speaks about a merchant, merchant ships, is that a merchant? What does a merchant do? A merchant just sits down, has a store, and that's it. A merchant goes around. He doesn't sit down in one spot. Whatever comes to him, that's it. Merchant goes from here to here to here to find the best thing to get the best ones. He will sail all over the world just to find the best thing. So for us also. We have to invest time to go, to fulfill, to, to go every possible place to be, to get the best, the best out of the, out of our mission, out of our mission in this world. We have to be like the merchant. Now, in fifteenth verse thirty-one fifteen, it says that she rises while it's still night. And this, what does it mean? She rises while it's still night. This is a connection with what it says in 31.27. She, do, uh, she does not eat the bread of idleness. There's a connection between these two. Well, it's, the connection is laziness. Laziness, we have nowadays, is very, very hard. It's very deep. Everybody's lazy. But it's a very big disease. Even Al-Khut all the Musa Sfarim talk, talk about it. They talk about it. It's a very big disease that we have. Everybody says, "Listen, I'll do it in an hour. I'll do it in a day. I'll do it in. Uh, I'll do it when I get old." Even the Mishnah speaks about it. Don't say you're going to learn when you're going to get older, because maybe you're never going to. You never. Don't say you're going to learn whenever you have time, because maybe you're never going to have time. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. We need to be. We need to have. We need to learn how to acquire zrizut. The alacrity to to move to get do something as soon as possible, not wait until the last minute. Do it the first minute. What's one example? Prepare for Shabbat on Sunday. Don't prepare Friday 
right before Shabbat, when we all, oh, it's two hours before Shabbat, I need to do fast. On Sunday, you have to prepare. Do it ahead of time. Everything ahead of time. Don't wait until last minute. Continues. 16th. 16th uh, verse. Pasuk. She sets her mind on a field and buys it. From the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. Now, what is this coming to, to teach? We see from here that what, what do we see? We see all the time, especially in New Year's, right after Rosh Hashanah, or even the, 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 whatever, the, the American calendar we have, New Year's, the, the Goim, they make, they make New Year's resolutions. They make, people have good intentions, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing it, and tomorrow I'm going to do this, do, from this year I'm going to do this. They plan, they say, you know what, I'm going to say Tehillim, I'm going to say at least this much every day. I'm going to go, finally, finally pray what I'm supposed to pray. I'm going to have Kavanah whenever I pray. I'm going to try to work on my character, not get angry, not be lazy, not... Whatever it is, they always try to plan more things, you know what, I'm going to be better. But sometimes, a lot of the times, it stays in the planning stage, it doesn't actually get into actuality. You say, I'm going to do this, 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 and then nothing happens. Finally, in the end, so is man, they go to the grave and their planning goes with them. Nothing ever happens. They don't, they, they never do it. And they say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, of course, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Everything. They give a whole entire list, but not even one thing they do. They do nothing. We get no reward for just planning. We get reward for actions. Continues, verse 19, she spreads out her palm to the poor and extends her hands to the destitute. Now, we see, we understand from this, this is, this is pretty, pretty pashut, pretty simple, you know. This is one of the things, it's one of the three pillars of what the world stands on is chesed, is kindness. There are three pillars, the Mishnah says, three pillars on the world stands. One of them is kindness. It could be a lot of things. It could be giving staka charity. Something small is giving a smile to someone, making them feel happier. You know, visiting the sick whenever they don't feel well. Burying the dead, they can't repay you. In the end, you're burying them. Very big. Finding someone to shiduch. Making, getting someone, get, getting someone married, finding someone a, a, a match, or even the biggest, the biggest chesed that anybody could do in the world is what? It's kiruv. Someone that is against God, doesn't know his right from his left from the Torah, doesn't even know he's going against God. In the end, you teach him, you say, this is the Torah, this is what your father gave to you. Your father is crying, he wants, he wants you, he wants you to be connected with him. When you bring them back, they become tzaddikim. From Vashayim to tzaddikim. This is the biggest chesed you could do. So, it's endless possibilities of chesed. Chesed is everywhere. Now, chesed starts at home, but it doesn't just end there. You have to still be with your family, with everything. You could help other people. 
do a lot of chesed in your life. It says over here that spreads out, spreads out her palm to the poor. It helps the poor. There was a story Rav Yagin brings. Rav Yagin says the story. There was a, a Rav, Rav Sorotskin, that he brings a story and says, he brings a small parable, and he says there was one time a king, and this king had a Jewish advisor that was very successful and wealthy. This guy was Amash, very successful. But what happens with someone successful? Someone has to be jealous. There always has to be someone there that's jealous. So the ministers of the king, they're looking at this Jew and they're jealous of him. What do they do? They go over to the king and they start they start slandering the the the, the advisor. Start saying all these type of things. Start making false false accusations. They go over to the king. They say, King, you know that this guy is cheating you? This this advisor? Why do you think he's so rich? A lot of the money that he, that he has comes from your funds, comes from your treasury. He's cheating you. The king is like, what are you talking about? This is, I love this, I love, I love him. He advises me so well. It's the best one, best, best person I've ever had. Listen, you don't you don't believe us? Check. The king was like, listen, I don't believe you, but you know what? Whatever. Just to get you guys off my back, I'll check. He goes to the advisor, he says, Listen, I know you've been very faithful to me. My best advisor. Is it possible that uh, just you know just to prove that you're my best person, can you give a detailed account of your assets, all your finances? This is okay. The guy, the Jew, he gives him his account uh, information, and the king is looking at the numbers, and he's looking at it, and just from looking at it for for a few seconds, he's looking at it and he says, "This is a fraud. What are you doing? This is this is just a small fraction of what you actually make." The king is, it gets angry. He says, "Do you think this is a joke? This is all your wealth is confiscated by the crown. You, you've been, you've been cheating me this whole time. I thought you were, I thought you were uh, loyal, honest. What do you have to say for yourself?" The advisor says, "Your Majesty, I'm sorry to say, but you just proven yourself that the." what I said and that my account is accurate king is like what are you talking about the advisor says you asked me for the list of my assets now what is truly my assets what's truly my money what's truly mine what's truly mine is what will go to me with me to the next world what's mine mine so only what I gave to charity, only what I gave to tzedakah, and only the chesed that I did. Those are that's my that's my account, and even the crown cannot confiscate that from it will go away, away from me. And this is the account that I gave you. This is what what I gave 
this is the 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 account this is all the charity that I gave this is what I'm showing to you the king understood and he says you know what you're right this is this is your assets the king said wow I understand now what what a Jew you are you're right I'm sorry the king smiled at him and he says you're you're right you, you, you didn't cheat me he says you know what here's your money back and he was so proud at this at this advisor that even after this episode after this thing that happened after this whole story he even gave him more respect more honor because he says you're loyal to your God you're loyal to the thing you give charity you, you do all these nice things and this is what you what you actually think that is yours not even the money that you have even though you're so wealthy now why was he so wealthy though you see that he's wealthy because he gave tzedakah he did chesed that's why he was successful and wealthy even the chachamim say in Avot, offense for wealth is, is tzedakah so it continues 31 Proverbs says she has no fear for her household because of snow for her for her entire household is clothed with scarlet wool now the Malbim explains and he says the cold what is cold cold is death why because this is when the body loses loses its natural heat it becomes cold and not only that this is the Malbim not only that also Gehenom Gehenom is also called cold why? because there's not only the sections over there of snow also it's not only it's not only fire people think it's only fire or it's not only shame also some people think it's mamash only shame it's not true it's fire there's snow so Gehenom is also called snow now the garments that will keep you warm from the snow is Torah studying Torah doing mitzvot doing ma'asim tovim so if a person is warmly dressed in these these actions these things he won't suffer the the the, the gainum of snow there's nothing there's not there's no there's no fear there's no point of fearing it I mean there's no he has nothing to fear of the snow of Gehenom. So, how unpleasant and embarrassing is going to be for a person whenever, if his soul is going to be naked after death, he's going to be shivering, freezing. He's going to ask the, the angels over there, where, where can I buy clothes? Where's the clothing store? Where can I get the latest fashion trend? Something fashion, you know, not something old. Something like... Uh, grandmother would wear and tell him listen I'm sorry to say there's no stores there's no stores over here stores were in uh, the previous world not in Gainon there's no stores over here you could have gotten dressed over there you didn't get dressed you came here that's it continues 26 she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue now What happens if a man or a woman 
they heard a shiur, they went to shiur Torah, they learned some some Torah. Now it's very bad to forget it, but let's say if they forget it. They go to shiur Torah and they forget, is it all for a waste? Did they waste it? Whenever they go to Gan Eden, it's going to be retaught to them. So say, you learned this in your life, you put in the effort to learn it, here it is. They're going to reteach it to you. They're going to reteach it. And he's going to review, review for it. Everything will be, will go back. Will go, will go to this person. Whatever he learned, is what's, that's what he's going to get. He's going to be given to him back in, in Olam Abba, in Gan Eden. Next, 28. Her children rise and praise her. Now, who are the children? Who are these children? There's a pasuk in Bereshit, in Genesis. It says, these are the offspring of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Now Rashi comes and gives a comment over there on the pasuk. And he says, the offspring of a righteous person is the good deeds. The ma'asim tovim that they do, the mitzvot. Everything, that they, any good deed that they do. That's their offspring. The true offspring of a person is their ma'asim tovim, is their good deeds. They are the ones that are going to come and they're going to rise and praise Him. Thirty-one thirty. Favor is deceptive and beauty is vain. A God-fearing woman is one to be praised. Now the world, you look around the world, it's beautiful. You go to many, many, many beautiful sights we have in this world. The world is filled with beauty and grace. But honestly, this thing is it's it's false. As we see in the Pasuk, we see in the verse, it's false. The only thing that matters in this world is the Yirat Shamaim, is the fear of heaven. That's the only thing that that he could take to Olam Abba, the only thing he could take to the world to come. Moshe says, he says, in Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 12, he says, And now Israel, what does Hashem, your God, ask of you but to fear Hashem, your God, to go in all His ways and to love Him and to serve Hashem with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep His commandments, to keep the commandments of Hashem. And what does it say the next pasuk, the next verse it says? For your benefit. It's not our benefit. You keep the mitzvot for your benefit. Now there's a midrash on this pasuk. It says, Favor is deceptive. This is the generation of Moshe. Beauty is vain. This is the generation of Yehoshua, Joshua. A God-fearing woman is one to be praised. This is the generation of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Ilai. What happened to Yehuda, uh, in the generation of Rabbi Yehuda Bar, uh, Bar Ilai? It was so poor, such a poor generation that six scholars had to cover themselves with one garment, one thing, one cloth, and study Torah. One, they took one, 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 one blanket to cover themselves. Now, generation of Moshe, what happened? 
great miracles, amazing miracles. The Shekhinah came to them with thunder, lightning. They saw amazing miracles. The cloud of glory and the pillar of, uh, pillar of fire went with them, protected them throughout the whole entire time of the desert. The man fell that they had something to eat. Best, the best food. You don't have to even go to the bathroom. Anything you wanted to taste like, you tasted like. And their clothing grew on them. Hey, they, their, their clothing didn't just, they had to get new clothes. It grew with them. Imagine you have your favorite t-shirt from whenever you were a kid and it grew with them. It grew with you. You still have it. So imagine you have a, you buy a small little outfits. Looks cute on the baby. Newborn baby, you just buy him a new outfit. And it grows with him. It's bar mitzvah now. And now it's a suit. He comes with the suit. That's a suit. He has the same, the same suit from whenever he was a baby. Same garment. Then he grows more. And now it's his wedding. Same same garment. Same suit. Same thing. It didn't wear out. The Torah says it didn't wear out. It says, the Torah says, your garment did not wear out upon you for these 40 years. Same dress that someone wore whenever they left Egypt, that's the same one that they went whenever they went into the Eretz Israel, into the land of Israel. Same dress that sh that a girl that was 20 years old is the same dress that she wore whenever she was a grandmother of 60 years old. Let's see someone like that nowadays that would wear the same exact thing for 40 years. From whenever they were 20 years old to already a grandmother. Now that was a... There's a question Rabbi again asks. He says... If if Hashem did miracles with their clothing, then why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it a little bit differently then? If he is already sending man, he's already sending man from Shemaim. Why not send a few clothes, you know, a new dress or a few of them, you know, you have a different thing every few hours, different dress. Why not send it down, the new new clothes? Why you have to have the old ones grow? So Hashem wanted to teach us, Habibi, Habutai, you don't need new clothes if the old ones are still good, if the old ones are not worn out, if they're still, they still look good. You don't need a new one every day, a new one every week, a new new dress every party. It still looks good. It's a good, good looking dress. Hashem is trying to teach us, you don't need a new one. It still looks good. It was a story of the Chazunish. The Chazunish, he was... Sadiq Gaon was very smart. One of the poskim that we even go look at his psakei alachot nowadays. He was mamash. He had like he was divine inspiration in Ruach Kodesh. Whenever he died, his wife revealed something. He says, "You know what made him the Chazanish? The same hat that he wore for our wedding." It's the same hat 40 years later that he died with. He still had the same hat for 40 years. So, you could see that in the generation of Moshe, Hashem made the clothes grow with the people. And there's all other miracles that happen. And you could 
call this a favor. May Hashem gave us a favor. You know, it could have worn out, could have whatever, but Hashem made it grow. It's a favor. Midrash, what does it say? It says, favor is deceptive. Why? Because this is not the purpose of creation. This is not the reason. Next, the generation of Yoshua. They also saw miracles. What was the one miracle that they saw? Whenever they were going, crossing the Jordan. Crossing the Jordan, Am Yisrael, go across the, they, 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 it splits, they cross, but then the Kohanim are on, still on the, on the other side of the, of the Jordan. How can they cross? The Aun Kodesh, the Ark of the Covenant, picked them up, it levitated them, and it brought them to the other side of the Jordan. This is a miracle. This is beautiful, but it was vain. Beauty is vain. Why? Because it's not the purpose of the creation. Now, the, the, which generation is to be praised? The generation of Rav Yudha Barilai is supposed to be praised. Why? Because, as we said, it was six scholars with one garment to study Torah. Now, how does, how does it work? What does this mean? It means that six scholars lent clothing to one another. Such a poor generation. It's a, in, in that generation, the one dress was enough for six families. One dress. If there was a woman that had to get married, they had to marry off her daughter, what did she do? She didn't go to the store. She went to the neighbor. Said, listen, you, you just married off your daughter a few a couple of years ago. Can I borrow the dress? They would give them the dress. The woman would wear it, get married. It's not... Uh, they didn't need all different types of dress. Bridesmaids, this, that. One dress, six families. This is a wedding dress especially. Not just regular, you know, every day. So there was a story with Rav Yudha Barilai himself. That Rav Yudha Barilai was invited to a meeting, very important meeting with the great Rabbanim but he didn't show up they were wondering, where is he? they were waiting, wait, he didn't show up finally they said, you know what, we have to go and get him they sent people to go and get him to go to his house knocked in the door Rav Yudah opens so what happened to you, where were you? we invited you, you had to be there everybody's waiting for you, all the Chachamim are waiting for you he says, I'm sorry, but my wife went to the market and we only have one coat for both of us. She took the coat with her. So I have to wait until she comes back so I can take the coat and go out. This is how poor this is how poor he was. This is how poor the generation was. Now, if you look at the Torah, the Torah, how can they do this? The Torah says it, it's forbidden for a man to wear a woman's garment and also the other, the other way around. For a woman to wear a man's garment, so how could, how could Rav Yudah Barilai and his wife and the Rabbanit wear the same coat? You could look at this and understand that it was not, it, it, it wasn't a woman, it wasn't a man or a woman's coat. It was neither, it was neither a man's or a woman's coat. Or was it? It was basically a rag. It was just like a, it was a shmata, just stamp something that they just. It was. It had no specific style, specific gender to it, specific to specific man or woman. This is how poor it was. But to this type of generation, this is what the Chachamim put the, put on the verse 
a God-fearer woman is the one to be praised. Why? Because this is such simplicity of modesty. This is how, this is the purpose of creation. Such little, they, they, got, they got away with such little. They said, this is what we need, that's it, we're happy. This is what Hashem is happy about. Now, going back to in, in Mishle, in 31.25 Strength and splendor are her clothing. Now, the last day, the last day, the day of death. What is the day of death? Funeral. But guess what? The funeral is the ultimate wedding. Imagine if anybody tells you the funeral is going to be your best wedding. It was a funeral, wedding, what connection? Yeah, it's the biggest thing. Why? Because this is the ultimate time. This is the big time for the ultimate wedding gown for the soul, for, for the nishama. She finally gets in her wedding gown and she's being led down to the chuppah. Hundreds of guests. Soul puts on all the mitzvot, wearing the, all the mitzvot, all the ma'asim tovim. And letting and being led in front of Hashem, the the Khatan, the, the the husband, the the groom. And there's angels over there, tzaddikim over there, millions who coming in front of Hashem, coming. Tzaddikim from Adam Rishon, all throughout the generation, for all the recent the recent tzaddikim, big giants of the generation being led throughout the big the, our big wedding a big wedding day we finally made it to the ultimate the ultimate hall now what would the gown look like though for the soul is it going to look beautiful or is it going to look now it depends if we do the mitzvot with holes defects you know I want to do it don't want to do it I'll do it you know what I'll drag it on I'll, I'll do it with uh, whatever I'll do it, but I'll do it with a sour face. Okay, then the wedding, the wedding gown will also be holes. Is this one black spot over here? Defects, you know. You're gonna have a sour face also. Chatan is gonna have a sour. But if we do mitzvot, if we actually mamash cherish the mitzvot, do it with all the heart. Go beyond the minimum of the halacha. Do it in the most beautiful way. We have a thing called hidur mitzvah. When we do mitzvah, we do it with beauty. We beautify the mitzvah. And then the gown, the gown for the soul, will also have hadar, will also be beautiful. Now, She smiles joyfully at the last day. Midrash, it says, Before death, Hashem shows the tzadikim, the righteous the reward that they earned in Olam Abba. They see this and they have a big, smiling so happily. The Gaon, the Vilna Gaon, the Vilna Gaon, he says, the Vilna Gaon, whenever he, he, on his deathbed, he was smiling. He was, you saw this big smile on his face. His students asked him, why are you smiling? He says, Behmet, I didn't know I didn't know what, what was gonna be my judgment. I didn't know whether I was gonna go to Ganadin, go to Gainom. I didn't know. 
I was thinking, you know what, what type of game are they preparing for me, what type of thing. I was scared, where are they going to send me? But now I see, now that I'm dying, I see, what do I see? I see that my father is coming with uh, with Yaakov Avinu, he's saying, look, look what type of son I'm bringing to you. Look what type of tzaddik I'm bringing to you. So now I see this and now I'm happy. They both came, both his father and Yaakov Avinu, to bring him to Gan Eden. Now, in Yerushalayim, Rav Nisim again brings a story. It says a story that in Yerushalayim, not so long ago, there was a tzaddikah, righteous woman, by the name of Miriam. And there was a very famous Mikubal by the name of Rab Mordechai Sharabi. And one day, randomly, he tells the students, Miriam just just died. She said, "How do you know?" It's because I see that the angels are bringing her up to uh, bringing her. She just passed away, and I see them bringing her soul on a couch of gold up to Gan Eden Elyon, up to the to, to the upper Gan Eden, to the upper level of Gan Eden. He says, "Please, whenever I die." Bury me with her. Bury, bury me, sorry. Bury, bury me beside her, right next to her. And they said they did it. After he passed away, they buried him right next to her. Now, Eshet see how fitting it is to sing this song whenever Shabbat comes in. Why? Because we're tasting Olam Abba. This is the perfect time. To remind ourselves that whoever sanctifies his soul, how sanctifies his soul in this world, and see how that high the soul could get, that whoever does it, whoever sanctifies his soul in this world, he sees the he's going to see the reward that waits for him in the eternal Shabbat. He sees he sees this whole entire mission plan from what we just read. And he sees that what he has to do and what he's going to get for it. And he sees whenever we read this on Shabbat, so he's going to get a taste of Gan Eden. He's going to say, this is what I have to do and this is the reward I'm going to get for it. And the eternal Shabbat. Shabbat that's in a day that's foolish, that's all Shabbat in Olam Abba. Without Hashem, we earn our Olam Abba and it's going to be a beautiful Olam Abba. We're going to get there with a beautiful gown for our Nishama beautiful garments chas shalom not to lose our olam abba or chas shalom not to get to olam abba with with ripped with a ripped uh, ripped gown ripped clothes ripped garments have some some smudge over here satashem we go there with beautiful clothing we even go there bezat hashem baruch adonai lolam amen v'amen